Antonio is a sleeping giant on the alarm clock. Let's go. We're a city of fighters. We're on the map, San Antonio. Alexander the Great Hernandez. All right, welcome to UFC Unfiltered. We got a great show today. Uh, John Anik, who we always love having on. He's such a great talker and he's such a, a great commentator. We got Alexander Hernandez too uh, today. I'm, I'm looking forward to fighting Drew Dober. We just mentioned, uh, we talk, I, guess, I guess we talked to Dana about Drew Dober because, by the way, the boys are on Embedded. I'm always happy when we wind up uh, on something UFC related because it gets so many views. So I hope people are turned on the podcast from UFC and uh, Embedded. Jimmy, I have a question, and I, yes. maybe it's better suited for Alexander Hernandez, the great, the great Alexander Hernandez. Yes. Um, where's he been? His last fight was July 19th, you know, and that was a little bit ago. It so, was. I mean, yeah, huh. man, I mean, we're in May. You know, a couple more months, that'd be a year that he was he was uh, out of commission, man. Was he injured? Was he taking some time off? You know? He bounced back after that Donald Cerrone loss and, uh, you know, to take on a very tough Francisco Trinaldo, who was a guy that does not act his age in the cage. No, he does not. You understand? Does not seem his age. No. Because uh, he's my age. The guy's like 40-something, 41. Yeah. And he's just a beast. But So, um, you know, tr- uh, he beat Trinaldo, Alexander. And then he's been, I don't know where he's been. I want to find out where he's been. Because he's one of these young, young tough prospects. Yep. Like you know what I mean. That he came in, and uh, and he, and and he was doing well, and he, then he had a little slip up, and now he and he bounced back, and then he's been kind of uh, again. We'll find out where he's been. Yeah, and there's no disgrace in losing to Cowboy. I mean, you know, I mean, Cowboy, uh, you know, when he's uh, when he's on, is is one of the best in the business. Uh, and I hate to say it like that because I sound like such a sportscaster douche, but he really is. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's funny, the whole Stephen A. Smith controversy got raised again because I guess Cowboy was doing an interview and he's like, yeah, Donald Cerrone showed up that night, but Cowboy didn't. And and Stephen Smith is like, am I vindicate? Like he's so obsessed with being right. But no, you were questioning the guy's heart and oh, uh, he just had a bad fight. You know, having a he, bad fight doesn't mean you don't have the heart to fight. It's annoying. Well, wait, he jumped on that, Stephen A. Smith? He said Recently, something about it. Like, oh. he, he just, look, I, I think whether he likes it or not, I think he was very embarrassed by the backlash. He'll say he wasn't, but I yeah. think the fact that he's not typically known for MMA, and when guys like Rogan and even a guy like Connor, who obviously likes him, says you are way wrong, uh, I guess it's it's embarrassing to have guys who know so much tell you, like, well, you are way fucking off base. So I guess a lot of sports announcers, the ego <sighs> is too big to realize, you know what? I was wrong. I, I fucked up and I was wrong. They have to be right. And it's also a different way of putting things. Like, you know, obviously he didn't have a good performance that night. Sure, yeah. He, but, okay. you know, you got, I mean, but again, you know, just to, uh, for Cowboy to say, yeah, you know, he, Cowboy's, he, for a fighter, you got to somehow justify how things happen uh, to yourself. Like, you have to say, why didn't I show up That's that right. night? Or why did I not perform that night is a better way of saying it. That's you right. You know? Yes. Um, you know, and there's a lot of factors into it. And everybody knows that it's not even – it's not a diss at all because Cowboy is a notoriously uh, slow starter. Slow starter. Most yes, of the time. He, I mean, I, I believe Alexander was on him in the beginning of that fight too. And then he, and then Alexander, who's going to be on soon, uh, he he was – in their fight, you know, he came at him like a, like a, like a, a bull. And – and he was on him. And then when the thing, the most dangerous Cowboys when Cowboy weathers the storm early and then settles into a rhythm and then it's a problem, you know, even for the best guys. But, you know, does he get out of that first round? Because we've seen, we've seen several times where he hasn't, you know, not yeah. just with Hunter. So, you know, you don't got to be, uh, you don't got to be saying the guy, you know, it's just, I think it's more of the wording of what Stephen A. Smith, how he, how great. You know, seem somewhat disrespectful and just, you know, kind of ignorant. Yeah, if he said, "Hey, uh, he didn't have a good performance tonight," I mean, Cowboy would have acknowledged that. You can't get knocked out in the first round and think you had a good performance. But there's a difference between losing a fight and and giving up, and there's a difference uh, in questioning a guy's uh, 
mental. I don't think anybody can question Cowboys' fucking mental. Uh, say he just had a bad fight. Well, what I'm looking forward to is uh, him versus Anthony Pettis. You know, dude, it's and a that, isn't that crazy? That is a crazy. Let me look at the card again. It is, dude. The whole card is gonna be so sick. Main event and the, the prelims. What time do the early prelims start, Jimmy? And I don't want to throw curveballs at you. You know who we should ask about that? Our pal John Anik. Uh, because ah. I will inevitably give you the wrong start time um, because I'm a bit of an ass. Now, the prelims start at 8. Oh, right in front of me, Matt. The early prelims, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3.30 if you're on the West Coast. And um, I don't know what time that is in England. But I will say that what an amazing uh, amazing fucking card. And, you know, reading even beyond this 249, which is the yes. one that we have been, uh, you know, everybody is kind of gearing up for. The uh, the Smith uh, Glover Teixeira card is really great. And the uh, Overeem Harris card uh, is really great. And, I'm, I, you know, they, they got uh, Claudia Gadal against Angela Hill. Dan Ige against Edson Barbosa is fighting again. Um, Christoph Jotko against Eric Anders. Like, there's some incredible fights on every card. So we should be close to getting back to normal yes. schedule by, I guess, within a week or two, Dana said. And that's the next card you're talking about, the ones you were just naming on the uh, 13th, May 13th. No, yes. Overeem Harris. I'm sorry, Matt. I was, that's uh, that's the 16th. Oh, we have the one on the 13th oh, midweek, uh, which I love. Don't you love that they're doing a fucking Wednesday card? That's so great. Oh, man, we, I mean, dude, we need it. I'm jonesing for it, man. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. I love the bike rides and I love the Uno games. You know what I mean? But, hey, man, I need I need some MMA in my life. I need to watch many UFCs because I am uh, I'm in need, Jimmy. Don't get me wrong. I love the Merck and VR as much as the next guy. I just had to wrap the dinner before I had my Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you did, right? <laughs> they didn't like it, Jimmy. Yeah, John Anik. Woo! Hey, thanks for accommodating the uh, the time slot today. I uh, I appreciate both of you guys. That beard looks good. Dude, thank you so much, John Anik. I, you know what? This is the way you start an interview <laughs> like that. Thank you, John. How's things, man? I haven't I haven't spoke to you in a while, man. We're doing okay. I think we're all anxious to get back to work. I think for any of us who have young children, you know, these have been a tough 55, 60 days. I mean, we all have our own circumstances, but I got three kids under eight and a one and a half year old wow. son who is bouncing off the walls. So I'd be lying if I said to you that I wasn't chomping at the bit to get in my car tomorrow and drive five hours to Jacksonville. Where are you now? So I live in South Florida. So oh. certainly got fortunate with uh this jacksonville card but i was conditioning myself to fly to fresno and go to lamore california in mid-april so how many are you doing because they have one this saturday they have won the uh 13th one the 16th which i love it as a fan it's it's incredible right. how, how many are you doing there so i think a lot of nfl play-by-play -play guys would say why can't you do all three we go 17 straight weeks but our show is an entirely different beast so i'm doing the first two saturday and wednesday it almost would have been a physical impossibility to do all three. We considered it, but we're losing fights and gaining fights, and there's pre-voiced elements, and there's just too much, Jim, sure. that goes into one of these broadcasts to do three in a week. So thankfully, I'll do the first two, and then I'll get back in my car and drive home. Now, who's who's going to be commentating with you? Who's who's working with you? Because I know Dominic Cruz, who all who that's works right. with you sometimes, right. will be fighting. So that's going to be have you. You haven't – well, he hasn't fought in a while. When's the last right. time he fought Dominic Cruz? So he fought December 30th, 2016. I wasn't the pay-per-view guy then. So circumstantially, I've worked for this company almost nine years, called almost 200 shows. I've never called a Dominic Cruz fight. Well, so oh. there's some anxiety there because he's probably my closest friend among broadcast partners. I've spent the most time with him socially uh, and professionally and talked about fighting more with him than anybody else. So just want to do right by him and his – particular fighting style on the broadcast but uh once the fight starts the emotion is gone i'm not thinking about my friendship with dc when he's fighting stipe i mean once the fight starts there's too much other shit going on to be worried about who you might offend right it's just a fight you're calling a fight yeah. and you're calling two you know it's a championship fight so you gotta because even though you're probably closer to dominic i'm sure you still like henry cejudo and i'm sure you're sure like you like stipe Michit, so you know 
Exactly. I have a personal relationship with a lot of these guys. And Henry's a good example that you bring up because I have a friendship with Henry. We have leaned on each other at times in our professional lives before. So it's not as though, you know, my heart is entirely with Dominic Cruz or anything yeah. like that. But to answer your question, Maddie, so it'll be Rogan in D.C. as far as I know for the pay-per-view oh. at UFC 249. And then I believe on that Wednesday, Paul Felder will step in oh, uh, for the UFC excellent. fight. So uh, all hands on deck, you know. We- uh, can I tell you, I am ha- <clears throat> excuse me, I am happy that it is Dominic Cruz instead of Jose Aldo versus me too. Henry Shahudo because you know it. I mean, it's a different look, man. First of all, I want to see how Dominic comes back. He's proven that maybe ring rust worked is it, it it's true for some fighters, but not all fighters. He came back after a three year layoff and took out Muzaki, who uh, Muzaki, who was was it Muzaki? Yes, it was Muzaki, and he was number five at the time. Exactly. And he took him out in a, in, a, in a minute, literally a minute. And that was after, and Dana was big on saying, oh, I believe in ring rust, this and that. Dominic Cruz does not. He went out there, he performed. But now he's fighting Triple C. His his footwork, his his in and out style, he's very unique to his, his movement. I want to see how uh, Shahuto, how Henry uh, approaches that. Yeah. There are a lot of interesting layers to this fight, and I'm not saying this because Matt Serra is here. Al Jermaine Sterling, in my mind, is the number one Bantamweight contender. I know he had an invasive wrist surgery, and yes. maybe Cejudo wasn't jonesing to fight a guy who presents all of that length and is smacked out in the middle of his fighting prime. Aljo's probably the number one contender. But don't sit here and tell me the consensus greatest bantamweight of all time, Dominic Cruz, is not worthy of a title shot, right? Sure, he needed, Jim, a global pandemic to intervene to get this opportunity. But Dominic has said to me repeatedly over the last four years as he's gone through one major invasive surgery after another – that it stands to reason that I will come back at a championship setting. And I sort of shucked him off. And and sure enough, Jim, it's almost like he willed it to happen. Somehow he is fighting Henry and he believes he's fighting a natural flyweight that he is bigger and better than biggest question for me. And I'm not the analyst guy. I'm not the martial artist, but is Dom slower? Has he lost a step? He doesn't seem to think so. How old is he now? 35. He's only two ah, years older. Dude, he's Jimmy. only two years older than Cejudo. It's not like there's a 40-year-old guy right. fighting a 28-year-old champion. There's only two years separating them. And Cruz has, has, has at least not fought in a couple of years. So you could say ring rust. You could also say, hey, his body's had a break uh, that Henry hasn't had. Certainly, Dom would be the first to tell you that he's as healthy as he's been in some time. If you do go back and watch his last fight against Cody Garbrandt, there was a lot of good in there. But if you watch it back at the end of round two, Eric Del Fiero comes over to Dominic and he asks him for a certain action to begin round three. And Dom points to his right shoulders just like, look, and Eric's like, I know, I know, I understand. So Dom's shoulder didn't get repaired until 2018. Right. So his shoulders completely rebuilt. He feels healthier than he was going into the Garbrandt fight. Is that hyperbole leading into a fight or are those words true? I don't know. But I do believe that Dominic mentally, physically feels like he has put himself in prime position to not just fight Cejudo, but to go out and beat the guy here in a few days. Talk about a guy with some rough luck, man. Yeah. I mean, shit, dude. Don't uh, watch out for the black cats. Don't walk on any ladders. This guy right. I mean, I don't know if there's any fighter. We can say it now because the fight's here. He's not going to get – I'm knocking on some wood. He's right. not going to get injured before the fight. But I can understand Henry's concerns before signing up to fight uh, for choosing Jose Aldo instead of Dominic because, hey, man, I don't want to put all this in because this guy's no, not to his fault, but he's always right. getting injured. So this is almost a great – a really good scenario for Dominic because maybe – I don't know how long it can't be had for this, but that might be the best option. Uh, for Dominic to come in the most healthy. Yeah, no, I think you're right. He had about six weeks and for him to get into five round championship shape, he needs at least that. But I do think that that Dom will be primed and has focused a lot on the cardio. But Henry Cejudo is a beast who is in his prime. And I would respectfully disagree with Dominic. I do believe Henry's best weight class is going to be 135 pounds. This is a guy who almost gave up on mixed martial arts because some of those early cuts to 25 were so cumbersome. So Henry, his words, not mine, but he feels like his ability to connect the bo- the body and mind in a championship setting is what sets him apart. He might be the least emotional fighter on the roster, There's a reason why he is one of the greatest combat sports athletes of all time, and I do think it's going to take near perfection from a returning Dominic Cruz to to dethrone Triple C.
Matt, what are you eating? Jimmy, you know what I just got delivered to my house? What? Buffalo Wild Wings. Tell everybody about Buffalo Wild Wings. It might be hard for me to talk. Wait a minute. This is a really weird coincidence because this whole episode is sponsored by Buffalo Wild Wings. What? UFC 249 deserves to be watched with wings that you love to crush. Order takeout or delivery from Buffalo Wild Wings. Grab a beer and dig in for this stacked main event. What exactly are you chewing right now? Because I am literally salivating. I like the boneless wings. You might think, what is it? A, a nugget? No, it's not a nugget. It is a just juicy, tender white meat. Look. It is good. This is a crazy moment where we're actually doing a read, but Matt is really enjoying and eating, and I am actually legitimately hungry <laughs> listening to him crunch because I know how good that tastes, what you're eating. They're currently offering multiple deals on their hot, flavorful wings available through takeout and delivery. Starting $9.99, Buffalo Wild Wings, all new, everyday bundle offers. They're a steal. The fan favorite is the 30-piece boneless plus fries for only $24.99. Whether you order directly through Buffalo Wild Wings app or the website, you can rack up blazing reward points and have your food delivered directly to your door. So you can sit there, you can watch the fight. Hey, the prelims are about to start. It's Buffalo Wild Wings. Yes! I just dropped the fry, so I don't know where to I'll, I'll cover while you get it. Five-second rule. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have not seen a card this good for a long time, man, because there's, there's always cards where I'm like, all right, boom, boom, boom. These yeah. are the fights I am looking forward to the most. I want to see the other ones. Some some of them, some fights surprise you. But I'm looking, even from the early pre prelims with Vincente Luque versus Nico Price. Right. That's a that's a fucking great fight, you know? And, it's, and one I bring up a lot is these young guns with Bryce Mitchell and Charles Rosa. These yeah. are the early prelims. I I'm mean, telling you. This is as deep a card as I've seen, certainly since maybe UFC 205. Some people would argue this is the deepest card in UFC history. There are about six or seven main events on this fight card. Yes. You know, It stands to reason that Carla Esparza, the former champion, fighting the karate hottie Michelle Watterson, who, by the way, headlined in her last fight, they could be fighting in a main event. And Bryce Mitchell and Charles Rosa are fighting on UFC Fight Pass early on. So, yeah, it's one main event after the next. And, uh just, just gonna be crazy, man. We got seventy-five fighters competing in eight days. You Francis, like yeah, sorry, Matt. Francis and Jorginho uh, Rosenstrike. I think that's the fight. Obviously, uh, Gaethje against Ferguson. Um, I, I want to see Gaethje fight anybody. Of all the fight, I think him. Yeah. He's the guy. I think, and I say this every time we talk about him. But he's the guy that nobody wants to deal with. Because when you fight Connor, you're fighting a giant name. It's a huge payday for everybody. Cowboys have a huge name. Gaethje's a big name, but he's not on that level. So you're you're fighting this animal. With with uh, with a tremendous risk and not as much reward as as, as you would want from a guy like Connor, so uh, I think Justin Gaethje, the fact that he's getting this title shot is is really great and and it's not great luck, but it's it's great that it lined up this way for him. Yeah, I think you're right, and a big reason why he's getting it is Tony Ferguson because Tony Ferguson believes that Gaethje is richly deserving of a championship opportunity in the UFC, interim belt or otherwise. Yeah, but you're absolutely right about Justin Gaethje, and Tony Ferguson is very much cut from that same. Club. Off, two guys who just relish in going to that dark place that, you know, guys like me never wanted to go to as an athlete. You know what I mean? They live in those dark places. As an athlete, what did you, you were, you were a runner, no? I mean, I've always been a runner. I was the captain of my high school basketball team, but if I went to a big public school, there's no effing way I would have been the captain or logged any appreciable minutes. So my That's athletic wild. career was aided by going to a small school, but I played varsity tennis and basketball in high school. And, How tall is uh, John? I'm five nine. My twin brother's okay. like five eight and three quarters. So that's really all that matters, Jimmy, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all that matters is that you definitely rule the roost because you are taller. Exactly. You are Jimmy, taller. <laughs> Jimmy, how tall are you, Jimmy? I I tell people five eleven. I five six is probably the more more true. Jimmy, um, I'm, I'm five six also, but I feel I walk around like I'm six eight. Right. You do, but you're a former champion. Oh, thank you. I've taken six kickboxing classes, yeah. so you have a reason to feel alpha. You know what I find interesting, guys, is that I was reading that Justin Gaethje would not have taken a yep. short notice fight against Khabib, against Khabib, and he did versus Tony Ferguson, all because of style-wise. But it shows you his mentality because he knows he'll be fighting off those takedowns, and that could be grueling. I don't think Tony's going for a fucking takedown. I think he knows that this is going to be just a bond burner of just fisticuffs. 
and elbows. I'm not even sure that Rashad Holloway and Eddie Bravo know what Tony's going to do. I'm not even sure Tony knows acutely what he's going to do on fight night. You know, he has really had a penchant for sort of making adjustments and going with the flow of a fight. And uh, it's just incredible the the resume and the body work that Tony has put together. And I hope I'm not a broken record when I am laying out Ferguson's credentials. But it's like to do what he has done and to have never have competed for the sports ultimate prize is almost criminal. It's crazy. He's a first ballot hall of famer who put together the greatest lightweight winning streak ever, right? He had double digit wins at 55 before Khabib. And yet no one talks about him as being on the Mount Rushmore of MMA as one of the four greatest fighters of all time. And Khabib is prominently in that discussion. So Ferguson is putting a lot of his legacy on the line as well. And, uh, I'm just excited for all the athletes. We talked to all four of these guys, as I know you. I mean, could these guys sound any more ready for these fights? Like, they're all just chopping at the bit like the fans. You know what it might be, John? Sorry, man. I'm wondering. I'm looking at – I wonder because if Tony at one point had one fight a year, and in 2016 he fought twice – but I, so maybe it was just like you know, I'm not saying out of sight, out of mind. No one forgets Tony Ferguson, but right. there's so many good fighters that when you, your first thoughts might be to somebody who's been fighting more actively. But you're right. I don't know why he isn't spoken about in, in the top five fighter conversation every time it comes up. The first time that I heard about Khabib and Tony fighting, I was on a van with Joe Silva after Tony Ferguson had beaten Edson Barboza in 2015. And so I said to Joe, I said, oh, you got to give Tony a title fight right now. And he's like, no, I want to do Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov. So that dream essentially dates to 2015. And you're right. Since then, Tony hasn't been in an active schedule. And I think that certainly has hurt him, at least in the in the court of public opinion. Yeah, well, there ha- I, I'm almost as excited, even though, there, again, there's no longstanding dream of Ferguson fighting Justin Gaethje. I think from a pure fight perspective, I am looking forward to this more than I would have with Habib. Because, uh, and again, I'm saying that now because it's not happening. But I, I, I like watching Gaethje fight for a title, and I think it's really fair. So whichever one of these guys fights Habib after, it, it's a great fight. But this fight, um, I'm looking forward to as much or not more than I would have against uh, him fighting Habib. And the Gaethje body of work, Matty, outside the UFC, right, with all five successful title defenses and everything else, I'm just happy like you are, Jim, that he's getting a, a championship yeah. shot in the UFC because he certainly has earned it. Well, listen, man, I have no uh, dog in the race or is it a horse in the race? What the fuck? Uh, it depends the race? on the race. Okay. It, dep- <laughs> it does depend on the race. But I will say this. If, like, it, well, Tony Ferguson, he wins. Obviously, we want, we've been waiting forever for that fight to happen with him and Habib. But I would be equally, if not more, just intrigued to see the fight between Justin Gaethje and Habib because of the, the way that the, the styles clash. Because nobody's able to just take down Justin Gaethje and just ground and pound him because his wrestling's that good. He uses it strictly to just stay up and not to wrestle. Just they can't take him down. Just to get up and work his kicks and his punches. And he's got such a good gas tank. Could Habib? He gets past Tony. Could Habib? do what he does to everybody else to Justin Gaethje or could Justin Gaethje get up and inflict damage right. just fuck man well they're I, right that's that's yeah. why they play the games and, and obviously yes. Khabib and, and Justin have the same manager Ali Abdelaziz so they have intimate knowledge of each other and some have suggested that maybe that's why Gaethje was so ready to go because he was getting updates on Khabib before some other people oh. no doubt he has maximized the extra three weeks he got but I think he was pretty damn ready to go on April 18th but yeah man uh, it's all in front of Gaethje and if the Khabib Tony fight doesn't happen a sixth time because of Justin Gaethje, at least a fighter will have gotten in the way of it instead of a, of a global pandemic. Instead of crazy circumstances. And I'll tell you another fight. I don't know if it's been signed yet, but Woodley against Gilbert Burns on the 23rd, that's a fight that I, I can't wait to see either because Gilbert Burns looked incredible. I mean, it was a very brief fight uh, against Damian Meyer, but he's one of the few guys that has any experience now fighting with no audience. And he said it made him a little, we talked to him, he said it made him a little nervous because of the sounds you're hearing that you're not used to hearing. Um, so everybody fighting for the first time without a crowd, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to that. Yeah, and Gilbert Durinio Burns is on a roll. He could be top five in two divisions, but it is a real part of this equation for the fighters. And I've been asked a lot leading up to the fights, atmospherically, what's it going to be like for you guys calling the fights? 
candidly for me, it's like I got 46 athletes to master. So I focused yeah. more on the preparation than what it's going to be like in that atmosphere and that arena. We have a call later today to go over some marching orders UFC wise, but uh, it's going to be weird. But, you know, Jimmy, these cans are uh, pretty noise canceling. You're focused on the action. I, I'm not sure it's going to feel as different to us as people think it might. Well, I'm so claustrophobic. I always wear one on and one off. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little hot here, like it's going a little out. But uh, I always leave one on and one off because I, I feel like I'm in a fishbowl when I have two on. Right. So I would be, for many reasons, a terrible play-by-play announcer because I'd be too distracted by the noise around me. I have to hear the outside. I can't yeah. just have my headphones on. I hate it. And my ADD would kill me. Hey, John, yeah, let, me ask you, let, let me ask you something. The quarantine, what's an average day for you? How are you breaking up the day? What are you doing? So, uh, you know, we were doing the homeschooling for a while. Now it's the distance learning that is more associated with the school. So there's legitimate work that has to get done. Like our kids have legitimate work that has to be completed. So that's a big part of the undertaking. One of us is assigned to my one and a half year old son at all times. He's had two head smashes over the 55 days or so. Uh, But it's been really hard. You know, I know people have much harder circumstances than I'm dealing with. Uh, but just with the three kids getting restless, the older one is starting to get concerned that daddy's leaving. So the kids have sort of been at the, at the center of everything that I've been doing, but, uh, I can't wait to get the F out of here, man. If I'm being, I just, I gotta get out of here. I really do. I think I'm a better father when I have a little bit of that separation and, uh, I'm I'm ready to go. And and hopefully I think the big question for us is when we get home, what exactly are we going to do? Are we going to quarantine away from our kids for 48 hours or so? We don't know exactly what the protocol is going to be, but that's uh, probably at the forefront of my concern right now as to how to handle it when I do come home. Isn't it nice to be working, though? Like, isn't it nice to have something to focus on? And because there's so many people that are just literally running in circles hoping for a check because they can't work. Their jobs are not open. So just to be mentally focused on something, it's like, man, I'm really lucky to have a job that I'm still able to do. That is the rub right there. And we were so prepared for April 18th that I felt like I had already prepped 60 percent of that show. So while everybody else was shouting boredom, I was completely immersed in pay-per-view preparation and have been really for the better part of a month. I've never been in a better place in terms of my fighter cards and my preparation for UFC 249. I'm used to having a bunch of shows leading into these pay-per-views. We've been dark for two months. So, uh. I'm just ready to go, boys. And speaking about being prepared, I think this um, the 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 fact that um, Justin it got pushed back, Justin's fight right. uh, with with, uh, with uh, Tony, I think that's going to help him. I mean, yep. it might not mean a lot for all the people. Like, oh, it's only a couple weeks later. That does mean a lot for a fight camp. It really does. Yeah. It, a couple weeks can make a big difference. Well, and so. If he- if he says he had 18 or 19 minutes of pure hell for Tony a few weeks ago, in theory, does he have 25 minutes of hell for him now, right? Yeah. Well, he's got the same mentality regardless, but I definitely, yes, it, it could do nothing but help him. The fact that the fight got, you know, delayed. I wonder for a guy like Francis Ngannou, who I think is the athlete that I've talked to you guys about probably the most in our time here yes. at UFC Unfiltered over the years. He's been going hard for like 16 weeks, and I do think you get to a point where it's just too much. I mean, all indications are that he's handled it pretty well, but for him and Rosenstrike, I mean, these guys have been in camp since like January 1. Yeah, Rosenstrike seems dialed in, though, man. We had him on here the other day. Yeah, right. He, he's, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, I was kind of asking him, you're so used to, you know, your, your power, believing in your power. Now you're fighting arguably the most powerful heavyweight ever in the UFC. Does it kind of mess with your game plan? And uh, I don't think this guy is going to be looking for any double legs. I think this right. guy is – I don't. I think he truly believes in his striking. And uh, look at his last fight. He shows that he's dangerous even if they're – was that, that was a 25-minute fight or a 15-minute fight? That was a yeah. five, five rounds. That was five rounds. Yep. So the very end, the very end, he did not – Get, he did not get discouraged in that fight that he was behind. And right. That's a lot. That means he's dangerous. Because a lot of guys, the heavyweights, especially the powerful guys, uh, some of the power goes away after a little bit, after a round or two. You know, they're not, you know, I mean, you even saw that. I mean, it's a different because he was fighting the champ, uh, Stipe. Right. One Francis fought Stipe. You know, I mean, he right. um, some of the power towards the end. I mean, he was, he was, he was, he was so tired and whatnot. Yeah, but uh, maybe it's because um, Roger Strike is a smaller uh, heavyweight. Maybe that has something to do with uh, the fact that he doesn't get that right. 
Right, but you are right. It, with four seconds to go in that fight against Alistair Overham, he stayed technical and set yes. up the ending blow with a jab. So you're absolutely right about Rosen's strike. And Ganu's had a couple weird outliers in his career, certainly the Derek Lewis fight that we have talked about and yeah. the Stipe fight as well. But, you know, Vegas has the over-under in this fight at a round and a half, right? Over-under seven and a half minutes of fighting. I can't foresee a scenario whereby we're seeing a third round between these two guys. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Rosenstrike will be a little bit tactical. I know Ngannou at times has gotten off to slower than ideal starts, but I think this is a one-round fight, and uh, I think someone's twitching on the canvas at the end of it. You Can know, I those okay. – I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Oh. I just the, the, uh, the difference, too, is that this is Ngannou, I think, before the Stipe fight because he admitted he was overconfident in that fight. But you look at uh, Dos Santos and Kane and Curtis Blades, first-round knockouts. Right. And you remember, Matt, we talked to him. He was jonesing for a fight. He's like, there's nobody for me to fight, but there might be something. There might be – I guess Rosenstrike was what he was referring to at that point. But I think you have the same Ngannou you had before the Stipe fight but without the overconfidence. Uh, those two losses may have actually made him a better fighter. Uh, my, my point is with the uh, Francis mentality, whatever he had, and you said it pretty much, Jimmy, he took out two former champions in Kane and JDS since he had that hiccup with the uh, with the Derek Lewis fight. That's you know right. what I mean? So, I mean, he, he is. And when you look at a guy like uh, Kane Velasquez, you might that's a guy if anybody you, you're afraid it's going to if that same game plan is going to be. Um, used as uh as Stipe used with the clinching and the striking and and he has a great cardio tank I a great cardio was I was uh I was really worried for Francis in that one I go man how's he gonna he went in there with no f's given and he just unleashed so I think he is back in a major way man I I would be shocked if he's gun shy I feel he's chomping at the bit he's been wanting to fight for a while and he's on a mission and I I, it just I was just watching the embedded too and he looks fucking oh Looks He's a monster, man. Yeah, holding it back I, with the fans. He's striking. Woo. I'm surprised as he comes up on his 12th UFC appearance. And, of course, he can't win a belt this week. And I'm surprised that he's 12 fights in and does not have any sort of UFC belt at home. I do believe that is an eventuality. And I do believe that if and when Francis Ngannou has the heavyweight title, he will take that requisite next step to superstardom. He is our Mike Tyson. His English is getting better literally yep. every day. You saw that in Embedded. So I'm excited for the future, but for Rosenstrike to call the promotion or I guess on the microphone with me and to ask to fight this guy. I mean, do you guys see like when referees are going in there to pull Francis Ngannou off of JDS or Kane? They're going in there trying to save a man's life. That is the action, right? (laughs) That if he gets one more hammer fist, he might kill a man. And we have to wrap up because we have Alexander Hernandez is waiting apparently. Um, But I will say too that Rosenstrike, hey, he did – he was the winner, but I, I thought that uh, Overeem was up, uh, if I remember correctly, it was 4 nothing going into the fifth. And I think that was definitely, a, uh, you said he set that punch up beautifully, but that was also Overeem. I mean, as veteran as he is, making a mistake and letting his guard down at the very end. Um, so I think that was much as uh, Overeem's mistake as it was a Rosenstrike making a great move. I know we got to go in a second. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Stevens versus Calvin Cater. I mean, come on. I just don't, only because it's not getting enough attention. And on this card, I can understand it. Every, there's so many great fights. But holy shit, I'm looking forward to that one too, Johnny. I that, mean, that fight is definitely cut from the same cloth as Ferguson Gaethje. It can't possibly be bad. And Cater's looking for some respect on his name. You know, Jeremy Stevens gets a lot of credit, rightfully so, for the longevity and fighting everybody, a lot of big wins. But Calvin Cater turned pro in 2007, right? He's got more than 20 MMA wins, and he just doesn't necessarily feel that love. And and certainly he can get a lot of that love if he can knock out Jeremy somehow this weekend. And can we mention that uh, his last fight with Sabit, I mean, you know, three he was coming on strong in that third round. Yeah, a couple more rounds that might have been a different story. And uh, and and uh, he's just looking like a beast. Really quick before we let you go, yeah, what are you streaming with your wife? Are you guys watching anything? I just got into Oz. Everybody's talking about Ozark. I didn't like it when I first started to watch back in when I first started it. I, I stopped it, but I'm gonna give it a night because you know you guys. I don't know. You ever see it, Ozark? Yo, yeah. Oh, Jason yeah. and in the beginning, he's looking yeah. on the iPad like a cuck. His yeah. wife's over there. I couldn't get into it. I'm like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> and I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it. But now I gave it a shot. You know exactly. And now you see Rogan. He's saying, oh, it's brilliant. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to give it another shot. And I'm getting into it. I, I love Jason Bateman. He's fucking awesome. 
You One know. of my favorite shows for sure, and I'm going to start season three. No, I mean, I was doing the Tiger King thing for a while and then uh, the last dance. But I do have to say, when you're wow. essentially doing child care from yeah. 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. of some kind every day, I don't have much left for TV at nine. So uh, not as much as, as the average man during this quarantine. But uh, I don't know. Maybe when the kids get a little bit older, we'll get back to that Netflix and your, and chill and, or whatever. And your podcast with Kenny Florian. Quick shout out to Ken Flo and Ray Longo. Yeah, it's been great to get back to picking fights. You know, we created this like right now pound for pound tournament for a few weeks just to fill the time. And what yeah. we do best is previewing shows and making predictions and then recapping them after the fact. So thankfully to get back to business and uh, in a big way, obviously, with three fights here in eight days, man. So I know it's a big week when UFC unfiltered calls. It must be a big week. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you soon, John. Have a good time and uh, enjoy it, man. Back to work. Thank good you, guys. Everybody. Love you. Appreciate it. Alexander, where the hell have you been ever since you took out – you bounced back after the loss from Cowboy. Yeah. Got so, you know, you uh, raised your fight IQ. And you came back, took out a very tough Trinaldi. Uh, where you been, brother? That was in July. We miss you. Yeah, man. I mean, some shit's been going on in the world. I noticed your studio's changed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, that, that's, that's been a bit of a factor. But no, man, that, that last fight with Trinaldo – I went into that fight with a bucket handle tear in my labrum. So um, immediately afterwards, I had to get surgery. I didn't oh. want to cancel the fight. It was a hometown showing. They've only been to San Antonio. That was the second time ever. And so I, I had, to, had to pay homage to the city and definitely definitely represent. So uh, I, I didn't decline that fight. I took it. But uh, right afterwards, I had to get shoulder surgery. And, and the recovery process was a little extensive. So I had to do that. And um, I, I was geared up. Um, around November, I went on this um, Middle Eastern tour for the troops, and, and at that point, I was able to start kind of grappling with those guys. January, I got into full camp swing, and then uh, I was good to go by by February, March. Uh, but you know, the world shut down, sure. so so now we're you know now here we are. How has this affected you and your ability to train? Because guys are coming up with some pretty clever ways uh, to train, or just staying with one training partner. How have you managed to do it? Man, we, we, we've been working pretty, uh, pretty seamlessly, you know, uh, fortunately uh, I'm a co-owner of my own gym. And so, um, I kind of have leeway over that and I have the keys to the door. So we just, we just butcher taped up the windows and, uh, the place looks like a, like a damn meth lab, but <laughs> we just, we just kept cooking in the cage, man. You know, business as usual. Fortunately, my teammates, uh, my coaches, everybody, um, just, just sort of stuck to the script and and uh my my brazilian confidants didn't seem to give a fuck and they just kept coming in so it was they just don't they just don't seem to worry about things like viruses so so we, we were good man um and also being out here on this island san antonio uh i'm, I'm used to i'm used to limited resources so oh. you, you know we, we operated pretty seamlessly so are you still in san antonio or have you gone to jacksonville yet no we're in san antonio and man I, i'm i'm happy with the uh itinerary because we're not going out to jacksonville until sunday which okay. to me is badass i was scared we we're going to be out there you know friday saturday uh for one i was going to be looking at uh ufc 249 on my you know my iphone and uh and i figured resources are pretty pretty limited pretty scarce out there so uh fortunately we'll be here the entire week go out there sunday probably get a little work in that night and then it's just cut the weight and fight so i'm, I'm really happy about that Wait, how much have you? Uh, sorry, man. How much has San Antonio opened up? I know Texas has done um, is, is a little ahead of New York in a lot of places. How much have you guys opened up? Um, man, I think I think May first, um, the, the city started opening up again. It, it was real crazy. This whole thing, you know, it's been a roller coaster. The city shut down. It was like on full lockdown, uh, starting about a month or so ago, and and uh, I, I believe we're kind of getting back into. Uh, uh, an open groove again on, on Friday is when things start happening. But, you know, I mean, we kind of live in a bubble, you know, people talk about quarantine and they're freaking out about being isolated. I mean, campus quarantine, man, you know, all I do, yeah. I'm home, gym, home, gym. I don't see anybody. It's just, it's just business. So, so, I mean, I feel like I've been in quarantine for, you know, months and months now. N nothing's really changed. No, that's what I was going to ask you. Like I'm putting myself in your mindset. Now you're a 27 year old dude. So being in quarantine, does it, because sometimes there's distractions. Sometimes maybe the girlfriend wants to go to a restaurant. You're like, ah, I don't want to have the bread in front of me or you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody wants to go to a rave, whatever it is. 
There's none of that shit going on right now. Yeah, I'll be like, put some glitter on my nipples, and we fucking rage out at the house, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I'm alone with that. Girlfriend doesn't mind, yeah. She'll throw down anyway. So, I mean, in training, in quarantine, does it eliminate those distractions, or are you just a monk anyway in training? How is it? Is it any different training in quarantine? Yeah, you you know, I I definitely go go into that. It's funny you say that. I I call it monk mode, you know, where it's like uh, I I kind of – remove myself of all vices. And so, uh, um, I, I would say the, um, the isolation factor and the, uh, the discipline, the, um, the monotony of going from A to B, which, you know, home and gym, you know, that, that's pretty much usual. What was crazy was, you know, trying, trying to like, you know, trying to get basic needs like groceries and things. Cause you know, like life would feel kind of okay. And you go to the grocery store and, and it feels like, you know, the apocalypse is happening and people are freaking out in the mask. And, you know, I remember in the beginning, um, my girlfriend actually made a joke about it. Cause like I'm, I'm in New Braunfels, which is in between San Antonio and Austin. And I drive to San Antonio for my gym and work. And I also go to Austin for coaches and work. And, uh, you go in those major cities and it was like, if you didn't have a mask on, you know, old folks, people were looking at you in the aisles, like you had an AK 47, you know, yeah. and it was like, <laughs> Dude, you know, like take take a breath, you know, and uh, and so so th- those times were hectic. You know, I, c- I couldn't get eggs off the shelf. I love eggs, dude. I love eggs. So like shit like that, you know, just getting like basic necessities was hectic. It made you a little worrisome and, and definitely uh, definitely create a lot of tension for the camp. Um, in the sense of again, just kind of keeping my routine, I, I was able to do that. And then fortunately trifecta started coming through. It was a little late, but they started coming through. And so I got those meals mailed over to me. You know, I've got some sponsors, Sunray Juice here in San Antonio, who was able to hook me up with some food. And so that, that was cool. Once we caught the rhythm, you know, we, we were flowing, but, uh, but it was definitely a little crazy in the beginning. Now, does the idea, and most guys have said they don't know if it'll affect them or not. The idea of fighting without a crowd, I know you train without a crowd, um, but we heard some interesting things from guys uh, after Brasilia, where th- there were certain elements of it that were took getting used to. Um, does that concern you at all, or is it something you've thought of at all? I mean, I'm used to fighting in like empty stadiums. You know, the whole come up, you got you got these like you know, especially like the the big organizations. You know, I find Shawnee, Oklahoma, before I got into the UFC, bro. <laughs> they had this like big ass arena with like. 34 uh, natives just like, Yay! you know, you, it's, it's like just like these weird squeals and screeches, but there's, it wasn't like really a crowd. So I'm used to going into that. And in the UFC, I've been 50, 50, you know, I've been booed half the time. I've been, I've been applauded and cheered half the time. So it beats being booed. You know, I'm, I'm cool with, uh, I'm cool with whatever. I, I've, I've been kind of um, mentally preparing for, for the, um, the silence and really just the, the focus sound. Yeah. How long did you know you had drew, Drew Dober because you had a couple of guys first, I believe. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah I mean, th- and that, that man, that was crazy. The whole, uh, I mean, even before that, the process of that first fight preparing for UFC 249 was just uh, madness because, you know, I'm gearing up for this thing. We don't have any location. And then I hear Khabib bounced out to Russia. And so then I can only assume Islam was with him, but I don't hear anything for about five days. So in my mind, I'm like, man, I've got to, pretty confident feeling i don't have an opponent nor do i have a location everybody around me is like man there's no way this is going to happen but i had to kind of like stay on this optimistic mountaintop you know with the ufc and everybody else you know just kind of uh making sure i, I didn't lose sight of the task and then uh then we got confirmation islam was out then i thought michael johnson might be the opponent he seemed game mm-hmm. and then it changed to like a 10 minute notice Hey, uh, Omar Morales, yes or no? And then I was like, I mean, yeah, w- whatever, man. Just give me, give me the fight. We're nearly a week out, so <sighs> got him. And then one week, the fight got pulled out. So then, so then, uh, and and that that was crazy, man. The fact Disney pulled out, you know, it's not a basketball game, dude. You know, you can't just one week before there's this. You you've watched this whole thing culminate, and then you're gonna pull the rug out from underneath us. It's like, man, you wish more people had had the experience that we had, but um. But going into uh, after after that card fell out, they they talked about May 9th. I said I don't want to do that because I don't want to be strung out by the time I get to get get to the fight, and and I'm not really confident it's going to happen. Um, and then uh, another week or so, two weeks passed, and then um, they said Dober needs an opponent for May 13th. 
uh, at which point I, I said, fuck it. You know, I, I'm, I'm not getting any, I'm not getting any better, not getting any looser. You know, I, I need to get this fight. I need to get some reparations for, you know, all this work that I put in. So, uh, it, it's, it's a two week turnaround. We both got two week notice for the fight. But I, I've been in camp since January, man. I'm I'm good. So you're ready to go, yeah. It's yeah. getting to a point where you just want to fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm 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 good to go. I, I honestly, like people say this all the time, but I, I swear to God, I'm better than I, I've ever been. And like just just having my right arm, man. I felt like I didn't have my right arm for so much of 2019, and, and now it's back. And it's like, wow, <laughs> you know, just have some equilibrium's nice. And you know everybody's dealing with it. So no matter what it is or any annoyances you had in camp or anything that you weren't able to do, you know everybody across the board is dealing with the same crap. Yeah. So there's no real advantage or disadvantage for anybody. Yeah, a thousand percent, man. And like every camp's riddled with some kind of obstacles. You know, like Matt, you know that. Like it's, it's like this time we had a pandemic, which honestly I'm, it's way more fortunate than being injured, you know. But it's, it's like so, so, so we got so people got sick. We get over it. But you never pull out of a fight because you got a cough. You never pull out of a fight. Uh, because something hurts, you know, the only time you might, you might pull out a fight is something's broken. And that's just out of respect for yourself, your opponent, your employer. So, I mean, it, it's opportunistic when, when the camp is riddled with obstacles and it just makes it that much more cathartic when you get to the fight. You know? and, and you felt like that your coach, he tested, tested positive for the, uh, the, the, the COVID-19 and you feel like you probably had it and, and trained through it. Is that, is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, we've got a few guys on the team that te- tested uh, to get the antibody. Uh, they get, they, they're doing uh, paychecks now for donating plasma, so I'm gonna have to get on that as soon as this fight's over. <laughs> oh, but, um, but yeah, it, it's just another thing, man. It, it's like it's like if, if if you didn't put a label on it, what would I call it? I would just call it having having a cold, having the flu, having whatever, and I would just I would always work through it, man, because that, that's my job. Like that's what I, that's what I'm expected to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. And I, I brought myself up to to be the best, to be a champion. So like you start feeling under the weather, like it's, it's a warrior's code, you you know, like you start feeling under the weather, you're not just going to pull out. You got to keep going. You got to get through it. Like I said, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your, your, uh, your teammates, your coaches, you owe it to everyone, your employer, your opponent. So, um, you just get through that shit, man. Like I said, every camp, every camp has some obstacle that this time, this was the obstacle, you know, when you're sick, what's harder for you? Like, is it getting out of bed and making yourself start and then you're okay? Or is it finishing a workout that you've already started? Like for me, getting started doing anything is yeah. hard. That, that, that's a great point. It, it, it fluctuates. Sometimes it'd be getting up and you're like, you're just exhausted and you feel weak. And, and when it was uh, too extreme, it might be just like go for a walk and that walk would be uh, nauseating. And so maybe you just take that day or two off. Uh, but, but what I noticed a lot of times uh, when I got going, it was like I feel okay. Uh, in the beginning, I, I was feeling really good. And then I would start training and then I would start like uh, finding myself like wilting over, like uh, um, just feeling, feeling nauseous, feeling weak, feeling feverish. And so then I would have to lay off a bit. But again, you just grind it through it four or five days and, and, and you're straight back at it. And, and I, I take so much precaution in my health that it's like um, I, I, I'm, I'm used to just swallowing, you know. These yeah. Kind of now, now, let me ask you, Alexander, your thoughts on the Tony Ferguson-Justin Gaethje uh, fight? Oh, dude, I'm stoked, man. I mean, it's so funny. This weight, this weight division's, I mean, fucking bonkers. You know? Yeah, right? Like, like because you, you want to see that Ferguson-Khabib fight so bad. But Jesus, man, Ferguson-Gaethje, that's like the scariest, that's the scariest fight yeah. of all time, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and I, I'm really, really happy that it got extended the way it did because honestly I wasn't even excited for it before because I wanted Gaethje to have his fair due in camp. You know, I, I, I was, I was, uh, I was almost bummed out that it was going to happen because a fight like that, you wanted each man to have their camp, their respective camps, you yeah. know, before meeting. And so, uh, now that they have, I hope that, uh, I hope again, Ferguson's not strung out or anything like that by the time he gets there. I think, I think that guy can pretty much weather any storm anyway. So I think he's going to be okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited about that fight. That, that shit can go either way. The way gaethje has been fighting lately, he's, um, you could tell he's evolved. Something's clicked in his mind in the last few fights. He's much more calculated with his range, his timing, uh, his engagement. And so, uh, the way he's been fighting, he can easily, he's, he's going to sit Ferguson down. It's just what happens after that. You know? It's funny. Uh, we were just talking about this and I was saying the same exact thing. I think it's great that it actually got, uh, whatever, cancel, postponed, whatever you want to call it, because he gets those extra weeks in. And you know yeah. as a fighter, a couple extra weeks is a big deal. Oh, game it truly changing. is. Game changing. Yeah, a- absolutely. Night and day. And and you know, you know he's probably been staying ready. He's ripe. 
So I, I think I think it's probably the perfect amount of time. And I'm sure Ferguson again is his mental fortitude is you know unprecedented. So I think I, I think I think if there was a guy who had to kind of get strung along through camp series, that would be the guy who could handle it the best. And Gage is a guy who can handle the the the, the late the late minute come through. Uh, follow up on that. Which one of those guys do you think matches up better with Habib, Justin or Tony? Man, that's that's really tough. I, I think both of them have the capability of beating him. I think Ferguson would shock Habib more though because of uh, uh, how unorthodox he is. He's going to cash him. Man, there's something. You look at Ferguson and his legs look so stiff. You know, he stands so stiff, but when he when he catches you, it could be a jab, it could be anything. It's the stickiest punches in the world, man. They just fucking stick to you like glue, and then they break, you know? And it's like Khabib, Khabib gets licked with a few of those. He hasn't been hit like that before. You know, people talk about that one Johnson exchange, you know, but he hasn't really been like – yeah, he hasn't been busted open. Ferguson makes you bleed. So I think, I think he gets licked with a few of those. Again, Ferguson's a guy who's not going to lose any ounce of composure on his back if he does get taken down, which I'm sure he would. But he's going to make him work. He's going to make him work like hell. So I think Ferguson's going to be the more unorthodox fighter. Um, but again, Gaethje, Gaethje, the way Gaethje's been fighting, he can beat any one of those guys could be the champion right now. Yeah. You know? And his legs aren't stiff when he does that fucking El Kukui dance. No, 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 no. no. He, he does a dance. He does an Imanari roll. And I'm not saying. I'm not saying <laughs> no, I know. Like, yeah, but, but whenever he stands, you watch him move and he gets so yeah. planted sometimes. But then he, he sticks and it's like, man. But that, that would be the one thing I would look to try to like uh, uh, make a disadvantage for Ferguson is how he almost looks like he locks his knees sometimes. Uh, that would be like something I would be trying to analyze to break him apart. Well, I'll tell you, I, what yeah. I, one thing I'll tell you with this interview and what I'm, what I'm reading up on is I love your mentality of you're not a fancy pants. You didn't, it seems to me they went through three guys. It didn't matter who you got to show up as an opponent. And Drew Dober is a fucking stud. So yeah. this is another one of these fights that I read. Uh, these This card coming up this on Saturday is amazing. But your oh, fight yeah. on, the, on the 13th is another amazing card. Yeah. And it's another one. It gets, it, you know, we wanted you one because some of these fights get lost in the mix. It's like, holy fuck. Yeah. You got this. I mean, Drew Dober is looking great in his last couple of fights. Sure. And uh, much like the fights we just talked about, that they you, Justin versus Habib is just as interesting as Tony. You versus Drew Dober is as interesting, if not more, than you versus Islam. I think that's up there. I think Drew uh, Dober Honestly, yeah. yeah. I think this whole thing is so fortuitous, man. Like, it, it's the most, like, divine culmination of shit. Because, you know, like, that Islam fight, great. But that, who knows how that fight could That could have been a grappling war for a while. Who knows how that fight... Drew Dober's a guy, especially coming off of his last few victories. He's going to come in there cocky. He's going to bring it. And, and, and I, I need someone game like that. I've also never had the opportunity, and not that he's like shy of that position, but I've never had the opportunity to fight somebody out of the top 15. Ever, ever since I got in here, I've just been thrown to the wolves. Top 10 to top 15 guys, every single one of them at the point of signing the contract, whether or not they were ranked at the day of the fight, they were when we signed the contract. And so uh, this, this, is, this is kind of a step out of uh, of just the rankings where I get to get a fun fight is what it feels like. A guy who's game, a guy who's going to bring it, and a guy who's trying to make a statement. And, and for me, I, I think it's like just the biggest opportunity to get a highlight reel. I yeah. love it. How many fights in the UFC did you have before you had that fight with with Cowboy? That was my third fight in the UFC. Third. I hadn't even had I still haven't even had 15 fights. I think I've had 16 fights total counting my amateur career. So like that was my that was my third fight <laughs> ever in the UFC. That's top yeah. 10. Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that that moment just kind of uh, swallowed me up a little bit. But man, I, between him and Trinaldo last year. Fighting two veterans like that, dude, I have gained so much experience. Yes. There's so much, so much composure, uh, just, just, just so much confidence in, in, in my ability just to stand in the cage and not, not act impulsively, you know. And that, that's something people don't, don't really credit me for, really, really acknowledge. Well, this is it's obviously a great fight. I'm, I'm happy for you, and I'm happy for Drew too because I like, I like him as well. And you guys are the third fight on that card. That whole card is great as well. And yeah. everyone is going to be watching. Like, you're right. It is a good chance to get eyes on you, too, because there's no sports. Everybody yeah. is going to be watching. Yeah, and I, are, you guys are on ESPN, correct? Man, I don't even know, dude. You can tell me we're on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know where we're staying. He don't give a Today, fuck. I just found out we're having a Q-tip shoved up our brain hole. So, like, <laughs> did you see that? Did you see yeah. the, the COVID the test? Testing? 
Yep. Yeah, man. Hey. I, I'm finding out information the way you guys are, man, just like Look. minute by minute. More, yep. Hey, I'll tell you, very impressive. Tony Ferguson, I seen him take that thing. That guy, he didn't give a th- another thing that makes him even yeah, more. He probably asked for two, man. They probably, they probably double court them, dude. He didn't fucking even flinch. He, he, didn't, he didn't blink, yeah. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> man. Hey, speaking of Disney Plus, what are you streaming? Are you watching anything at home? I always like to. I just found out today, just now, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, you know, I love this series. It just came out now, the six seasons of Vikings. Number, oh, I love it! Oh, I'm gonna watch that shit today. You just, you just started watching Vikings? I'm up to the I'm up to the last season, but I watch it on Amazon Prime. I don't yeah, watch. That, it. That, that's the renowned show. That that's a good ass show. And it's funny. I, I was watching it, and then I got kicked out of Hulu some time ago. Um, I don't know. Maybe too many people were accessing my account. Maybe I was borrowing someone else's account. I don't know. You know how these streaming yeah. work. The bottom line is, I lost contact with Hulu, and I hadn't gone back, and so I just kind of fell off the series. But I'll tell you what, though, I just got back into a Hulu account. Uh, via uh, girlfriend sister shout out, um, and so now I'm watching Dave, whole fucking hilarious show, dude. Funniest, funniest show. I never heard of that too. Right now, have you, heard of, have you ever heard of Lil Dicky? No, no, I've been oh, called that. Yeah, no. Okay, okay. <laughs> 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 so ring, rings a bell. So, so this rapper named Lil Dicky, um, who who kind of wanted a base as a comedian, but then kind of found his outlet in rap. Uh, is now is now writing and, and directing th- this TV show and it's it's called Dave that's his name and so it's essentially about him and this white rapper in you know a predominantly you know black cultured uh, art form and so he's uh, dude it, it's 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 hilarious but he, he's like a satirical rapper and uh, and the show I mean dude watch that show you will laugh your dick off dude it's oh, yeah. fucking hilarious man Dave? Really, really, really okay. Dave Dave it just came out this year I burned through it. It's real short and sweet. You know, it's 10 episodes, 30 minutes each. You just watch it while you're folding laundry, whatever, man. It's, it's good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah. I'm going to watch I'm gonna, that I'm gonna need, with Vikings. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to get on that Vikings. I need. I like to get hard before the fight week, you know? So sometimes I'll alternate between a little comedic relief and then some some real, uh, some real like, Viking warrior-esque shit to kind of, you know, you know, get that testosterone. Yeah, man. Palpitating, you know? Get, well, good luck on the 13th, man. I think that's a Wednesday. Am I correct? Yeah, man. That's different, right? It's Wednesday night, night fight. Yeah, it's ESPN yeah, Plus I think it's on too. So a lot of people will be able to watch this, and it's good to have uh, live MMA back. So good luck, man. We, we love your fighting, and I uh, can't wait to see this fight with Drew Dober. Appreciate you guys having me on, man. Have a good All right. Take care, man. We'll talk again. Be well. Hey, man. Let me tell you something, Jimmy. I like uh, – I like all the fights coming up. I, I am super excited for this weekend, Jimmy. I mean, I can't say enough. I know we'll be signing off in a second. I just want to say one more time, this fucking car, Jimmy. Nice. I'm so excited. Uh, Ferguson Gaethje, Shahudo Cruz, uh, Francis versus Rosenstrike, Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Cater, Greg Hardy versus – oh, Greg Hardy, by the way, I watched his opponent, um, Jorgen – this, this Castro, Castro he's yeah. undefeated yeah. and I like him because he looks a little chubby but then he's got sludge hammers in his hands yes he he's, does he did the old Mark Hunt walk off when he knocked out his last opponent it was fucking right. beautiful and don't even mention the prelims and the early prelims they're all insane Cowboy this weekend Cass. oh no it's insane Jimmy every every fight what about Verdun versus Olenek nobody's Olenek, even yep. doing Michelle Watson versus Carla Esparza uh, and also Jacare versus our friend Uriah, Uriah Hall, Hall. Yep, that's the opening fight of the prelims, correct? Yes, Jimmy. Jimmy, it is fucking awesome. It's crazy. It you is know, crazy. If I was in quarantine, I'd fight you over. I would, and I would go. Charles Rosa, uh, Bryce Mitchell, our pal Sam Alvey is fighting uh, the opening fight of the early prelims. I mean, the whole yeah. part is fucking incredible. So listen, the next time I talk to you, if maybe over the weekend, but the next time we broadcast together, we will have uh, fights to talk about. Oh, man, Jimmy. Really quick. I know we haven't done this in a while. Three fights. Let's just do three. Tony Ferguson and Gaethje. Go. Oh, my God. I am going to take Gaethje, third-round stoppage. Okay. And I love Gaethje. I do. I I fucking do. I know. And I'm not going to be that guy who goes, well, if it's early, it's going to be Gaethje. If it's late, no. I'm going to get off the fucking fence. And I'm going to say... Oh, man, it is so rough, dude, because just – I'm going to say Tony Ferguson, fourth-round stoppage. Okay. 
Okay, yeah. most likely by strangle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Henry Shahuda over Dominic Cruz. Do I bet with my heart or do I bet with my head? Well, Jimmy, well, who's with your heart? Dominic Cruz. Oh, really? Oh, you're not a big fan of Triple C. I like him, too. But I, but I, I am I'm more of a Dominic. I like uh, Henry a lot, but I'm more of a Dominic Cruz uh, fan because, I, you know, um, <sighs> I'm saying I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to cut you off there. Okay, I don't blame you. Only because you're on the, you're you're really struggling with this. One. I want to say Cejudo's second round stoppage. No, I'm gonna say Dominic Cruz by decision, because this guy he's been in this so so long. He's got such a sh- fucking high fight IQ. I wouldn't be surprised if he took down Cejudo in these exchanges because yeah. he he has a he has a. Uh, he, he can switch levels very fast. He's got a very unique style, a style. I believe that Dominic Cruz fought more aggressive type fighters like Henry Cejudo. Not that he's really one to say there's a lot of guys like him because he's unique in his own because he's such a stud. But he's fought similar fighters uh, than Cejudo than Cejudo did Dominic Cruz. Yeah, probably right. Yeah. So I'm going to say Dominic Cruz by decision because I think Cejudo's a tough, tough guy and he's going to be able to, to, to take a licking but I think Cruz is going to come back and it's going to be something to be talked about well when you look at Cejudo and that fight he had with uh, Marlon Marais which uh, I guess uh, ended in round three at TKO but that first round I mean Marais was killing him Like I, Cejudo is extremely tough and the only reason I'm going with him uh, and early is because he has looked so ferocious early um, but it's hard to bet against Dominic too Like I, I really love Dominic Cruz so Last one. Oh, go, no, you didn't go yet. I'm sorry. I, I know because my, my first instinct was Cejudo in the second round. I hate to say that, though, because I really like Dominic more. I'm not doing the old fucking woo. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Cejudo in the second. All right, good. All right, there you go. Nganu first round. Nganu first round knockout. Wow. Yeah. Rosenstrike doesn't like that shit. I like Rosenstrike, but you know what? As far as I'm concerned, he's great. But Overeem, I thought uh, it was it was such a smart veteran, found a way to win four rounds, um, and I thought he won that fight. I thought that was Overeem's fight and the referee's mistake. So uh, I'm going to take Ngannou in the first round. Jimmy, do you know how many fights that um, Roger Strike lost? None. I believe he's ten and uh-huh. zero. Correct. He's ten and zero. Yeah. He's never tasted defeat. No, but he's never he's never been. He's fought some tough guys, but Ngannou is a different. You know, I yeah. mean, he he knocks out guys who have fought tough guys. Listen, I like Rosenstrike a lot, and I'm big for the underdog. What round do you take in Ngannou win? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it's going to come out. It's going to be a fast and furious uh, fight, and I'm going to say the second round for Francis. Okay. I'm saying it's going to hang in there for that first round. And that's good. Let's just do three. That way we could just – you want to do more? One, two, three. No, it three doesn't three. matter. Like, I'm, and here's why I'm taking Francis in the first because I talk a lot about reach. And I know I, like when you get a guy like Cormier, who is one of the best fighters in history, that's a guy who closes distance really well. But, again, it's not as easy to close distance, I think, at a guy like, uh, on a guy like uh, Francis – and I think that Rosenstrike is going to try to get in, and he's going to have to get clipped a couple of times to get in. And I think that's why Francis beats him in the first round. But again, I'm wrong all the time, so what the fuck do I know? Calvin Cater versus Jeremy Stevens. Let's just do the whole main card. Come on. I, I First of all, I have a hard time picking these guys because I really yeah. – I have something for these old school guys. Like, like they, Even though – Kelvin Kate is not really an old school guy. Like right. I have, they, they, they remind me of a throwback. Both of these guys remind me of a throwback. You know, I like Jeremy Stevens a lot. I like Calvin Cater. I like what they're made of. I like their metal. Cater by decision. Cater by decision. I think Cater second round, third round stoppage. You okay. believe that shit? I'm saying it. And I love Jeremy Stevens. I'm just, I just think that they're both going to be laying it all on the line. And I think uh, I'm getting just flashbacks in my mind of Calvin Cater versus uh, um, Ricardo. Mamas? Yes. I was there for that. So maybe that's why it's stuck in my brain. So I think, and I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm still on the bandwagon after his fight with Zabit. 
because I think it's not how a fight starts and how a fight it's, it's how a fight ends. And that dude was coming on strong. So I want to see some of the same in this fight. And Jeremy Stevens is a great dance partner. Yeah, but he's also coming off of he's winless in his last four fights, three losses, one no contest with the IR. So I, I don't see him. I know Jose stopped him with punches in the in the first round. I, I don't see him being stopped. Then again, it's hard to pick against him because do I see him losing? I don't see him being winless in five fights either. So if he loses, it's going to be a decision. So I'll, now, I'll take care about it. Greg Hardy versus uh, Jorgen DeCastro. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Greg Hardy's a beast too, but he kind of fucked up in his last one, didn't he? Didn't he? Uh, oh, he lost, he lost, no, I think he fought on short notice and lost a decision. Um, and it was to here, it was to uh, Alexander Volkov, yes. who uh, I was more impressed with. It was in Moscow too. I was more impressed with Hardy in the loss than I was uh, with Volkov in the wicks. I think Hardy wasn't wasn't well, or he had a short notice. There was something going on with him in that fight. Well, I think he's he's a beast. I know he works with uh, our good friend uh, Dean Thomas. Yep. But fuck that. I'm going with uh, Jorgen DeCastro. Okay. I, you know why? Because I can be a little chubby sometimes, and I feel I got power. So maybe I'm just, I'm just, I'm just feeling something for that dude. I mean, and not only that, I just watched his last fight, and uh, he did that walk off after the knockout, and it was something to be uh, of a, uh, was it um, Justin uh, Taffa? Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, he's a fucking beast, man. I did. I listen. That's who I'm taking. You're taking Hardy. I don't know. I mean, you're right. Uh, DeCastro. God damn, he is good. Um, you know what? Hardy is due for a win. Hardy second round knockout. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Listen, we could do. I like. We could even do all the fights, but let's just stop it at that. Okay, bud. I'm gonna go finish the list. Not just go to the sponsor, but let me tell you about the Buffalo Wild Wings I got waiting for me downstairs. I'm going to eat those boneless wings and I'm going to have those fries and I'm going to watch the um, embedded. Okay. And then I'm going to watch Vikings. Oh, season six just came out. I can't wait, dude. Oh, Jimmy. What a good show. What a good show. Okay. And what about you, my friend? What are you doing the rest of the day? Honestly, I'm uh, probably just going to have coffee and uh, relax and not do anything. I'm just looking forward. I have radio tomorrow morning, and I got the fights this weekend, and that's all I'm doing. You know you you also got? What? You got a friend in me. Ah, your audio cut out. I couldn't hear. You got a friend in me. You're my Jimmy, no matter where you be. You got a friend in me. Anything else, Jimmy? Nope, that's it. That's a little of my take on Toy Story, Jimmy. Don't no words, Jimmy. No words nope. for that. You want to you want to sing a little something back? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, I'll I'm gonna talk to you. I'm gonna probably text you during the fights. Yes, please do. All right, Jimmy. I miss you, pal. Sorry about that. The ending. Okay, I'll talk to you <laughs> later, I'll talk Jimmy. To you soon. All bye, right, bye, everybody. Bye, guys.